statues from Santa Maria Traspontina um, and threw them in the Tiber River this morning. And I would like to ask a Vatican response to this manifestation. Well, we received this piece of news just a little ago that a group took this e image She's asking for the response of the Vatican. I think it's a bit too much to ask this to this panel and uh, about something that has, you know, just happened. And we learned about this from the social networks just uh, a few minutes ago. What I can say um, um, is that stealing something from a place and throwing it, it's just a gesture, it's just an act of bravado. And we have already said here that those statues were representing life, fertility, Mother Earth. So it is a gesture that I think that, in my opinion, goes against the spirit of dialogue that should always animate everybody. I don't know what else to say, if, except that it was a theft um, and that um, it's something that needs no further comment. It doesn't require my specific comment, I think. Around 21 seconds into the clip, you can hear someone on the panel faintly referring to the idol as La Pachamama, and I'm only saying the demon's name because I'm essentially quoting the panelist. The sad thing about all of this is that they're calling the act of heroic bravery by the faithful and fed-up Catholics a theft, which tells you all you need to know. Anyway, on to today's topic. Yesterday, I mentioned very briefly that a new pact of the catacombs had been signed by a group of secretive bishops in Rome. The original Pact of the Catacombs was an overt attempt to secularize the Church, and I'll give you a taste of the original document in a moment. But inspired by the spirit of the Amazon Synod, and possibly by other spirits, including the Lord of the World, a group of bishops descended into the same catacomb site of the original Pact and renewed a Pact of the Catacombs. And while we don't know who was there in total, we do know about a few of these figures, and especially of the evil that they have been promoting including a call for the canonization of an out-and-out -out communist bishop who promoted liberation theology, which was condemned by the church and used in Latin America to spread violence and a distortion of the gospel. These are the kinds of people we're dealing with these days. And yesterday, I showed you what, we, what must have been secreted cell phone footage at the end of the pact, with a few lay observers singing some hymn or song in jubilation at the promise to further radicalize the church. Let's have a look at what caused their jubilation and... Let's then consider what the long-term impact of this is going to be on the Church. The original Pact of the Catacombs was a secretive pact signed by some 40 bishops of the Church in the waning days of the Second Vatican Council. The pact was a promise to secularize the Church, to use the Church as an instrument for worldly issues, and to truly water the faith down in the name of worldliness. That's obviously my assessment, definitely not theirs, and many have said in the past that they don't find the words of the pact that controversial. 
which is itself the result of spending decades immersed in the waters of modernism and the seamless garment theology that flows naturally from it. The goal, as stated by the pact's original signers in the mid-1960s, was to usher in the advent of a new social order. That's their characterization, not mine. It reminds me of President George H.W. Bush's words about the need for a new international order, though he used a more controversial and probably flaggable term than I would use here, and he said it in the aftermath of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Here is an excerpt from the text of the Pack of the Catacombs. Quote, We will do our utmost so that those responsible for our government and for our public services make, and put into practice, laws, structures, and social institutions required by justice and charity, equality and the harmonic and holistic development of all men and women, and by this means bring about the advent of another social order, worthy of the sons and daughters of mankind and of God. End quote. Sounds like the inspiration for virtually all of the documents released by the otherwise useless U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops in recent years which shouldn't be surprising because Cardinal Joseph Bernadin was one of the founding members of that organization. And the USCCB focus on secular issues like this all the time. We don't know much about who participated in the original Pact of the Catacombs, although one name does stand out these days, and that's Dom Helder Camara, who was one of Cardinal Hume's predecessors. We'll get to Cardinal Hume's in a moment. Camara was, in accor according to a report in the American Spectator, quote, a Brazilian archbishop who served as the head of the Archdiocese of Ovolinda and Recife from 1964 to 1985. Camara was famous for his let-it-all-hang-out socialism and support for priests who joined armed revolutions. My socialism is special. It's a socialism that respects the human person and goes back to the Gospels. My socialism, it is justice, he said. I respect priests with rifles on their shoulders. I never said that to use weapons against an oppressor is immoral or anti-Christian. End quote. Fun times, and the best part is that this man, who helped inspire violent bloodshed, including torture, kidnapping, and disappearances of government officials and their backers from the 60s through the 80s in Latin America, is being promoted for canonization by the modernists who have pushed for the Amazon schism. And, well, let's quote the spectator again. Quote, Under previous popes, a canonization movement for a creep like Camara would have been unthinkable, but not under Pope Francis, whose congregation for the causes of the saints stunned conservatives and delighted liberals in 2015 by quickly approving a request that the canonization process for Camara be opened up, a development the heterodox publication America called groundbreaking. America noted Pope Francis's admiration for the cause, Pope Francis remembers him. They have much in common. Addressing the Brazilian bishops in Rio de Janeiro in July 2013, Francis recalled all those names and faces which have indelibly marked the journey of the church in Brazil, and listed Dom Helder among them. End quote. So there you have it. The legacy of the 42 signers lives on today and is firmly imprinted on the church. They took an oath to live simply, to strip away titles from their offices, including Episcopal titles like Monsignor, Bishop, Excellency, etc., and to renounce the fineries of their office. While some of that seems on the surface to be laudable, recall that the Church is hierarchical in nature, not democratic, and reflects a monarchical structure and value set. Certainly the bishops shouldn't flaunt their wealth, nor should they exploit the poor for their personal gain. But we can see the logical outcome of this kind of thinking, which has infected the Church around the world. Modernist, stripped-down parishes that are industrial or sterile-looking, 
edifices that are less monuments to God than monuments to man's hubris. And yes, this is all part of the greater move to democratize the church. That move is nothing new in the modern church. The new pact was signed Sunday morning by 150 men. According to a report in a Portuguese-language news outlet that Google has translated for me, quote, The group, organized by Archbishop Erwin Krautler, Bishop Emeritus of the Zingu Prelature, will attend a Mass around 7 a.m. That's 2 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Some members of the Synodal Assembly will travel by caravan to the place that witnessed this historic moment for the Catholic Church, notably for the Latin American Church. The celebration will be presided by Car Cardinal Monsignor Claudio Humes, Rapporteur of the Synod. According to one source, so far 150 participants of the Synod have adhered to the commitment but that number is expected to increase by Saturday. Although the text is based on the 1965 document, it will be called the Catagome Pact for the Common House, with a reference to the themes addressed by the Synod for the Pan-Amazon region. The event will take place privately and no press participation will be allowed. <laughs> of course not. At the end of the Mass, all participants will be invited to sign the declaration. End quote. Obviously, that was written prior to the act where the bishops pledged to further socialize and democratize the Church of Christ, thereby aiding in the further tearing down of the one true church and the building of the false church of prophecy. And to prove the point, here you see a picture on your screen, all apologies to you listening on an audio-only platform, of some of those signers that was leaked. They're signing the pact, if you can call what they're doing it as signing, with their thumbs dipped in what looks like blood. That is profoundly pagan probably satanic, and yet no one seems to care to point that out to them. And I'm betting the vast, vast majority of Catholics will go along with the practices they force upon the church. And this is why you must stand up and speak out, even if it's only personally, to your friends and neighbors at your parish, when you see this secularization of the faith going on. There is something truly satanic about all of this. Now this is where I ask a favor from any of you who might be skilled at researching obscure connections. I'm left with a question. Does Cardinal Humes have any connections to St. Gallen, Switzerland? We know of Uncle Ted McCarrick and his history in St. Gallen, thanks to James Grind's testimony given to Dr. Taylor Marshall. And we know that St. Gallen was and probably remains a hotbed for the Lodge, and, during the Cold War, a hotbed for Soviet spies. Does Cardinal Humes have a history there? If anyone can find a link to that, please email uh, to me using the address in the description of this video. This whole mess has that same sulfuric smell that surrounded the McCarrick scandals and the links between himself and those places. I'd honestly be, not be surprised if there was a link between this cardinal or, maybe, the late Cardinal Kamara and St. Gallen. What will the long-term impact be of the new pact on the catacombs? If the original pact is any indicator, and if the words of Bishop Overbeck were correct when he said that the goal was to change the church in ways that she can never recover from, then the goal is not only more of the same, but a ramped-up globalism, a ramped-up ecumenism, a ramped-up advocacy for worldliness, greater pacts with the UN, greater partnerships with NGOs that promote anti-Catholic ideas, more and more, and more advocacy for socialism. In short, if the false new church hasn't already existed since the 1970s, then the goal is to finish the job of instituting the ape of the church, that false church warned about in Catholic prophecy. There's a reason that I call my series on that topic, We Were Warned. We certainly were warned, and it's shocking to see this play out before our eyes. In the coming days, I'll have a video that goes further into this plan to com completely secularize the faith. 
there have been some strange figures present at the Synod, none of whom have been remotely related to the Catholic faith in any discernible way, but who certainly are related to globalism, to the goals of the original and new packs of the catacombs. For that, check with me tomorrow unless there is something big that happens during the day in the church. Until then, pray, pray, pray for the church. You know, the end of the month approaches, which means that you can start to plan to keep the five first Saturdays devotion, which is one of the requests made by heaven at Fatima that had been wholly ignored by the church. Consider keeping that devotion. I have a video on that if you want to see it. Please consider making the time for it. Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Viva Cristo Rey.